Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by someone I'd actually met briefly whilst at uni during Ball Club. And then recently they had written an article on us on The Modern Influencer. And his name is Stephen. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi there, I'm Stephen, 23, from Wales. And yeah, very excited to be here. Yeah, so you two met at pool at Warwick briefly, right? Yeah. They played against each other or something like that? Yeah, my memory is we had pretty close games, Hamish. Is that, is that fair to say? It was pretty good. Yeah, uh, but yeah. We, are, we, are, we are at the bottom of the skill level for sure. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. definitely. <laughs> my good friend at Warwick, Sam, Sam Burgess, was really into pool. So I used to go with him and that's how I met Hamish. And yeah, I kind of kept up a, a little bit, but I, I was always had conflicting interests with other clubs at uni and things. But no, it was it was good fun. Do you know Tom Golden as well then? Yeah, yeah, and I know Tom. Um, I saw he's on your been on your podcast, isn't he? But yeah. yeah, I remember him. I remember being beaten by him regularly. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and him both lived in San Francisco for a while, and then whenever we'd go out, he'd want to play pool, and I just yeah, just lost all the time. <laughs> he'd go left-handed, and I'd still lose, and. Yeah, was, that was a bit annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, as Hamish also said, if anyone has read it, we had an article about like the podcast on a website called The Modern Influencer, which is actually run by Stephen and he wrote the first article. So yeah, do you want to tell us a bit about about the modern influencer. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I launched Modern Influencer in January of this year, www.themoderninfluencer.co.uk. Basically, I started it with the aim of just writing about influencing. It's something that I think is fascinating. I think it's one of the most exciting industries at the moment. It, it's popping. It, you know, I think there's no under, uh, no exaggeration there. It's a really exciting industry full of up and coming stars. And I wanted to kind of explore the world a little bit and kind of write about a lot of the influences I was seeing, but either on YouTube or Instagram. And yeah, that's what I try to do. And yeah, if anyone's, if anyone has any interest in in influencing I see the Instagrammers or YouTubers or just current media then definitely go and check it out and definitely go and check out the piece I did on you guys it was really really great interview with you two getting into well, how you guys started this and, and your dream podcast guests and things so yeah it was really good and very grateful that it also kind of allowed me to to meet you guys and then end up here <laughs> Yeah, I guess we could take it two ways. So the influencer side, but also just like writing in general. So like, did you study a writing or like an English degree at uni or anything? Or like, how did you get into writing? So I have always enjoyed like writing in English before. When I was in sixth form, I really was torn as to whether I was going to do an English or a history degree. I kind of knew those were the two options. They were like my two two strong subjects for me that I really enjoyed. And briefly, I toyed with uh, like a joint a English and history degree. But in the end, I decided to go with history, which I don't regret with that. I did enjoy my history degree at Warwick. But yeah, I've always enjoyed writing. And then I've gone into a PR since graduation and public relations, for anyone that doesn't know oh. the acronym. And yeah, there's a lot of writing in that. And it kind of, the modern influencer came out of, a, I think, a desire just to, to write a bit more. It's something that yeah, but uh, like I want to work on and and try and improve, and I see the modern influencer as a, a great way of developing my writing skills while also learning about something that I genuinely find really interesting and would actually quite like to work in one day. Kind of, it's best of both worlds for me. I get the writing experience and also the the, the knowledge and, like, say, industry insight. So, do you almost see it as kind of like a stepping stone? Almost like, is it like a tool? to maybe help you get into that industry or is it kind of something you want to keep growing keep growing and like work on it 
kind of full time almost. Or you're kind of like happy with if one of them happens, then that's still like pretty great. Well, yeah, I think I think it's it's difficult. I think for me, I am don't get me wrong. I really want it to do well. You know, I I do think it's something that not a lot of people are necessarily writing about. I think a lot of people aren't necessarily caught on to how big the influencing industry is. You know, it's billions dollars worth of industry and. It, you know, it's expected to just grow bigger and bigger as time goes on. So, yeah, I think that the website, you know, could do well. But at the same time, kind of as you point out, it's kind of a win-win for me the way I look at it because, you know, if it doesn't blow up, that's okay. You know, I've still got a lot of experience from it and I've still got up contacts. I mean, contacts are just like net the networking as well is great. You know, I'm getting to speak to already. I'm really pleased with some of the awesome people I've got to meet just through starting the website and looking for people to write about. So yeah, it's, it's a win-win if it, if it doesn't blow up, I've still got all the experience. And if it does, then brilliant. You know, I get to keep on writing about and keep on meeting more, more influencers and writing about the, the latest trends and things. So yeah, like I say, I feel it's a win-win and yeah, we'll see where it goes. I mean, I, I think uh, one thing I've already learned in life is you never really know where it's going to go. You know, I would never have thought that this time last year, if you if you, you get me this time last year and you'll say, you know, in a year you'll have your own website and you'll be doing these cool interviews and doing your own thing. I would never have, I, I kind of never really, never really thought about, thought that was kind of a possibility until I until I went down that path and realized that, you know, I could, I could do it. I was thinking as well, have you ever considered being an influencer yourself or like, I don't know yeah. what your thought process is with that. No, so, um, yeah, I know it's always one of those things. I kind of feel like now I've got the modern influencer. Obviously people, maybe I'll tell people about the website and maybe they'll like say, oh, well, I'll add you on Instagram. And I always feel so, so, like, I'm always a bit nervous about doing that because I'm worried of the fact that they're probably then expecting me to have this pop in Instagram, you know, he, he must have thousands of followers and be really cool. And then they'll go on my, they'll go on my Instagram and realize that you know I do I do Instagram but I'm not I'm by no means a regular Instagrammer and I'm by no means like got a large following or anything so I always feel a bit kind of nervous about that but you know at the end of the day what qualify I'm not gonna you know I'm not qualified necessarily to to be an influencer but you know I just find it really interesting. It's something that I read up on. You know, I've read up a lot on on influencing. I think my, my obviously my background in PR as well gives me a bit of an idea of what influencing is about. I mean, there's a lot of like building brand and content creation and marketing in being an influencer, and that's something that I do have some experience with. But yeah, I'm not not an influencer myself. I have uploaded a little bit on YouTube. I mean, I don't think I think the videos have all gone now. But maybe about if you went on YouTube about seven years ago maybe a bit longer than you might have found the odd clip of me playing Call of Duty. I don't know why they deleted them. Like they, someone started just copywriting, claiming random clips that were all my own content as well, like on that old channel. And I was just oh, like, right. what the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> I just got an email spam one day. Oh yeah. What kind of content did you put on YouTube? I don't want it to ever be found in case, um, only the people who actually know me from back then would be able to find it. Some of it, the remaining commentaries, like there's some commentaries there and then there's some just clips because in the Black Ops days when Theatre Mode first came out, I would just, for jokes, throw like a tomahawk across the map or something. Or like basically a knife across the map and it would get a kill. And then I'd just put it because that, that was pretty impressive at the time. That was, yeah. Similar to what Vicstar123 did. That's when I followed Vicstar123. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to find my old YouTube content, but I just haven't been able to find it. Like even like on my hard drives and backups and everything, I haven't been able to find any of my 
like old videos I made. But do you want to watch them again? Yeah, I, I just wanted to like nostalgia you know if if we ever get famous on the third wheel it can be like one of those clips like <laughs> the start i don't think um, i could get through the cringe if i listened to, if i listened to me yeah. again I just, yeah no i just couldn't do it my channel is called tech ac7 i was basically wanted to become like a tech youtuber so like marquez brownlee mkbhd or someone like that and um i used to like Im- unboxings and mac tutorials and stuff like that but the thing is i couldn't like I wasn't like someone who's getting sent all these pieces of technology or I couldn't necessarily like afford it. So I used to box up the technology I already had and then unbox it again <laughs> oh, like, to show it as an unboxing. <laughs> and my voice was so high. Oh, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I can relate to that. Not good. I can relate to that. <laughs> so what was it? I think you mentioned it like briefly, but kind of why influencers in general that caught your interest so much? Was it just because it's kind of a buzzing field? Or like noticing a gap in a in a market. It's just yeah, I mean, I do think I do think that definitely played its part. You know, I looked online and, and was surprised at how little there really was for influencers. Um, you know, if you if you look online, there's a lot of what well, there's a lot of influencer marketing companies springing up. You know, and lots lots of companies that want realize that influencers and and brands, you know, they want to want to be linked and want to work together. And a lot of co- uh, influencer marketers are filling that gap kind of being the middleman and, and, and making that happen. But I realized there wasn't really much for actual, for actual influencers, like what's out there for YouTubers and, and Instagrammers who want to maybe take their social media or take their channel to the next level. You know, there are people out there that will, there are people, there are YouTubes out, out there that offer courses and things that people can go on, but like, you know, that's there's money that not everyone has. So I wanted to kind of create one influencer to hopefully try and kind of fill that gap in terms of, you know that helping provide you know useful articles and and interviews with influencers who can share their advice and kind of talk a bit about what it is that makes an influencer successful and and just generally highlight some of the the great influencers there are out there. I think one of the reasons why uh, I, I find influencing so fascinating is that it's just so diverse, you know, and there are influencers for pretty much everything. When I mean, you go on YouTube. There are just so many channels. The other day, I found there was a YouTube channel called Sack Squatch. So S A X Q. I've got to spell Sasquatch now. Like Sas, like Sasquatch, um, also known as Bigfoot, <laughs> um, but with with sacks rather than sass. And basically, it's this guy that dresses up as Bigfoot, goes into the forest and plays the saxophone and does covers of various songs. Guess how many subscribers that channel has. Bear in mind his videos about 40 seconds to like a minute and a half of him just playing saxophone in the woods dressed as Bigfoot. 141,000 subscribers. I want to subscribe to him to be yeah. fair. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I watched one of his covers. It was decent. You know, it's a, it's a cool concept. I mean, it looks really weird because it's just literally a guy. Um, but yeah, and I remember just thinking like, this is why I love YouTube. The fact that you can just you can just go on and there's such such a range of content you know, there's some silly stuff. There's some stuff like the guy dressing up as a Bigfoot and like somebody cementing their head in a microwave because that's actually another that is a YouTube video. <laughs> oh, um, shout out to TGF. Shout out to, <laughs> to TGF. Um, there's also, you know, a lot of really fantastic content out there as well. Lots of people talking about mental health and talking about, you know, just their own personal experiences, various things and, and 
that's why I think I love it. It's just so diverse. It's, it's one of those things. Sometimes it can almost feel a bit overwhelming. You know, you go on go on the homepage and it's just so many different kinds of videos. But no, I think the choice there for different for different people is is fantastic. And I think it's what makes it so successful. You know, I mean, it is just it's crazy how much money there is in influencing. Crazy how much demand there is right now. I mean, you know, five hundred hours of content is uploaded to YouTube every single minute. Do you think that makes it hard to break into YouTube now, though? I, I saw a video, um, I didn't actually click on it, but I saw like the thumbnail and title and it was like, can you become a YouTuber in 2020? Because there's just so much there and everyone seems to be doing everything. I think it's quite hard to come up with like a unique idea. Just, yeah, I mean, I definitely think being original on YouTube is is getting harder and harder. But I do not think that YouTube is anywhere near exhausted in terms of mm. the kind of content that could could be created. And at the end of the day, there's always there's always a way of doing it better. You know, there are a lot of YouTubers out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean necessarily mean that everyone's doing a good job. And you know, as we've seen from people like Logan Paul, you know, Logan Paul had a massive rise. He then had that big controversy with the Japan video, fell off. And that gave space for new people to come into the fray. That whole fall allowed new people to maybe come in and do their videos on it and build up some some clout and some fame. Like it, there's, it's always chopping and changing. I mean, there's very few YouTubers that are, you know that have managed to consistently stay relevant and consistently maintain yeah. their numbers. So there's always room, I think, for for competition. So yeah, I would say it's a, it's definitely still a very good time to start a YouTube channel. And yeah, I mean, definitely, I think. If anyone's thinking out there of starting a YouTube channel and just thinks, oh, there's no point, there's too many. There is not too many YouTubers. There's still plenty of space at the table. I really do think that. What's your like go-to YouTube channels that you like watching also? Yeah, good question. I think the one I have to shout out really is probably Yes Theory. Because okay. Yes Theory, without Yes Theory, I, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't have the modern influencer. I, I honestly think I can say that. Because the web developer who developed my website I met through Yes Theory's Facebook group. And he very kindly offered to do it for free. He set up my website for me. And that was just because we got talking about Yes Theory. And, you know, I told him about my idea and he very kindly, you know, offered to help out. And that's kind of what, what Yes Theory is about. You know, it's about that helping, seeking discomfort and also, you know, human connection, going out there and connecting with different people and working together and collaborating. So I love their channel and I've watched a lot of their videos. And I've seen them grow as well. I mean, I, I, I subscribed to them early on when they were on, I think, about 100, 100K, maybe around about there. Now they're on they're on millions. I haven't checked in a while. But yeah, like 5.5. That's it, 5.5. So, yeah, I, I've got to give, I think, shout out to them. I, I really love their content. Another person I've really enjoyed in lockdown, actually, is a guy called Max Fosh, great YouTuber who does really interesting content. He has a couple of series called like Street Smart, where he does street interviews. But like he also has some great spin-off series where he did one where he, he dresses up as like he's kind of alter ego of uh, Maximus Bucharest, <laughs> which is his fake model that he, he did went to like Paris Fashion Week and, and faked being a model and it worked. But like, you know, the paparazzi genuinely thought in this crazy outfit he wore, like the most ridiculous thing, I think he had a coat hanger in it and various other household items, but he managed to, to trick the paparazzi into thinking that he was one of the latest models. 
and yeah that kind of content i really like just in funny interesting different content so yeah i'd say shouts shouts to those two i'm really enjoying their stuff at the moment when you get someone on the modern influencer like for us i guess you kind of knew hamish so he's able to like message him mm-hmm. but like for those that you don't really know are you kind of sending like blanket emails um or just finding them on instagram and just giving a message seeing what they say so i kind of do like a mix really of messaging people so occasionally i will reach out to an influencer and say hey i really like your stuff could i i'd really love to interview you about this you know could you shoot me an email and like give them my email the other way is through um like networking basically so i messaged i emailed a a guy called Tim Schmoyer fairly early on. He's somebody that was with YouTube right from the beginning, uh, started his account, uh, started his channel in 2006 and grew a fairly successful YouTube channel and learned a lot from that experience and realized that, Hey, I could maybe help some other YouTubers who could, who want to grow, you know, who's getting a lot of messages from people saying, Oh, how have you, know, how have you managed to, to get so many views and build up such a, a good fan base? So he kind of saw there was a gap there. And I had a really good interview with him. And at the end of it, I just said, look, thank you so much. You know, I, I really want to write about YouTubers and, you know, find really exciting YouTubers who are, you know, up and coming, who are exciting. You know, is there any way you could put me in contact with anyone you think would be good to interview? And he very kindly put out a shout out on his, like on his YouTube channel, on his discussion board. And he has about 500,000 oh, nice. subscribers. And yeah, he just put a shout out for me. But that's another really good way, you know, so you, you hope kind of through interviewing different people, I'll start to build up more and more contacts and, and kind of hopefully one will nicely flow one into the other. But yeah, if anyone's out there and wants to, yeah, you know, is an Instagram or a YouTuber who, who wants to share their story, who wants to shout out about their, their content they're creating, then definitely do not feel shy. Get in touch. I'd love to hear from them. Yeah, so I had two questions really. The first one was going to be like, if you made a YouTube channel like regarding this, because obviously you got your, some of it from YouTube via the shower. So if you made a YouTube channel for the modern influencer, if you don't already have one, what would it like? How would you go about doing things differently? Because you could do, I guess, short clips maybe. What would you try and do on the modern influencer at least? I think um, I, it's definitely something I've, I've thought about. I think if I were to create a YouTube channel, I would definitely, I'd want to fill it with, I think interviews is something that I, I find really interesting. And I think there's something I really enjoy doing. I love interviewing, I love hearing people's stories. I love connecting with people. And I love like being able to shed light on people who have either had exceptional come ups or, you know, come, yeah, come through adversity or just, just really, you know, interesting people. You know, I think I love, I love the interview and that's something I try and do with the modern influencers. I want to really, I would love to become known for being a good interviewer and, and the modern influencer be linked to, oh, they do good interviews, you know? So I think I probably would definitely film some interviews and put them up on, on YouTube and yeah that would probably be the main thing I wouldn't use it for me I, w- I wouldn't want to be the one in front of the camera if I were to create a YouTube the Modern Influence YouTube channel it would all be about getting the influencers in front of the camera that that can share their story or, or talk about their content and I'd very much be trying to trying to point the camera in the direction of, of what's hot on YouTube what's hot on Instagram or TikTok as well of course there's so many so many platforms out there as well I think um when people think influencers, they probably do think YouTubers and Instagrammers. But, you know, the, the bottom line is that 
there's they're coming from all directions. You know, you've got TikTok influencers rising up on TikTok as well as, you know, on Snapchat and things like this as well. So it's very busy. Along the lines of the networking thing, which I do understand, like if one person, in- you interview one person, then one of their friends is more likely to at least come on. So Aaron had the idea of adding call outs to the third wheel. So guests can call out their friend or a few friends or so on to come on, hopefully as a guest. We're, we're kind of glad that that option's there and it's allowed for us to meet a whole bunch of new people. Mm. We have a, a good backlog as a result of it to at least ask people to record with already. So yeah. yeah, that is actually one of the better ways to continue doing it. Yeah, no, I've got I've got a couple in my head that I'm I, I've been thinking about who I want to shout out. And I've got a couple. Do you think there's criteria to like be able to label yourself an influencer? It's funny. So I've I've been thinking about this recently. Obviously, knowing I was coming on, I thought, well, what things are they going to ask me? And absolutely, you know, a standard question I've been asked quite quite a few times is, you know, well, what is an influencer? Like, what what is influencing? I haven't really always had a great answer, but I think one way I, I quite like putting it, I think, is that if you if you can tweet about a company and affect and affect its share price, you're an influencer. Like that's that's one way I think you could you could you could define it. I think maybe another way which is which is a bit broader maybe is you could say that anyone with within a social media account is an influencer. But I think it's a bit kind of like the foot like kind of like football in the sense that mm-hmm. I could go play eleven aside or amateur football on the weekend. And technically maybe I could say I was a footballer because I played the sport of football and I played regularly with a team. But you know, I'm not I'm not a professional footballer. I'm not no, I'm not making money. And I think to some extent this is this is similar with influencing. You know, technically anyone with a with a social media account is an influencer. But really, you know, if you to be like an influencer a professional one, then you need to be making money. You need to have some way of making money yeah. through your social media. And you know, when people say, I want to be an influencer, what they mean is they want to be paid to post on their social medias or post on YouTube and they want that to be their job. Um, so I think I think that's probably the best way of, of putting it. I don't think it's something as simple as like, you must have X amount of followers, then you could be like an influencer. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. Like if you can, maybe not the share price thing. I feel like, was that a reference to Elon Musk, the share price thing? I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, he's definitely an extreme example of someone who who yeah. has such a long, large following and can affect share prices of, of companies, including his own, as we see. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, I just think it's the idea of, you know, at the end of the day, influencing is about, it's influencing people. You know, it's about, mm. you know, the reason why, the, the reason why brands want to work with influencers is because if the, if the influencer says, I like this product and this works, people will buy, you know, their mm. followers will buy it. They'll listen to them. You know, it's about, you know, who's listening really. And, you know, you obviously have different levels of influencers. I mean, you have micro influencers, which actually are a lot more appealing often for brands than the big ones who, you know, are influencers. What's, with, what's a micro influencer? They're, they're influencers with like around 10,000 or less okay. uh, um, followers. But the difference is with micro-influencers is often their followers are very engaged. So because mm. they're maybe more niche, their followers, yeah, a lot more engaged in their content and listen, kind of listen really intently to, to what they what they say. And, and they often are more appealing for brands because of that higher engagement rate. Also something else you like mentioned like before the episode was kind of your personal experience, especially with like YouTube and kind of growing up with it and how it's almost like kind of defined a generation. Is that something you can touch on? Yeah, I think, you know, part of the reason why I particularly find YouTube so fascinating is I have kind of grown up with it. You know, I started watching YouTube when I was about 13, I'd say around about then. And, you know, to see the rise of some of these stars, is just amazing. You know, I remember, I remember when PewDiePie had like 
a few million. I remember when he was just early in those days when, when, you know, even having a million was amazing. I remember thinking, oh, you know, seeing PewDiePie with, with his, you know, like I say three, five million. Oh, wow. But like now it's just mad how big that that's nothing really now, nowadays, you know, so many channels now are hitting, hitting, hitting the million mark. So to kind of grow up seeing that rise was just uh, incredible to see and it was great to see these youtubers i was watching just growing especially in the last in the last i'd say probably seven years like since 2013 especially just been going up and up and up so yeah it's been really fascinating to see that rise um, but it's also been really useful personally i struggled quite a bit with, like with my sexuality growing up i mean especially as a teenager and i found youtube was such a a great space you know uh, and such a great support in that time, you know, as well as the silly stuff on YouTube, as I can touch on earlier, there's also a lot of YouTubers talking about really important issues, mental health issues, personal experiences. And I found YouTubers who, you know, really helped me kind of help try and make sense of, of who, why, what I was feeling and who right. I was. And I think that, yeah, it was a really great support. I didn't really feel like I could talk to my, my family or my friends about it. But YouTube provided a safe space in which, you know, without judgment, without fear, I could, I could yeah. listen to other people talk about their experiences. So, you know, personally, YouTube helped me a lot in that respect. And I'm very grateful for, for that. And yeah, I think that's what people maybe don't always realize is just how, how much YouTube is helping people. You know, there are kids out there that maybe want to have conversations with, with parents, but they aren't having them or they want to have conversations with their friends, but they, they don't feel they can, but that YouTube provides a place where you can watch and listen to other people talk about their experiences and, and kind of get that, get that support and that, that help. So that's another reason yeah, why, why I love the platform. I think that it provides a lot of great support for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I do think it's definitely not, it's not as respected probably as it should be being someone like so big on YouTube, especially in like mainstream media. I guess we've seen that a lot recently with someone who Hamish mentioned in the article with us, KSI, and he's tried to like kind of make, bring YouTube people into mainstream media and get that respect. Because mm. I feel like a lot of maybe like the older generation probably just see, it, as you said, YouTubers as kind of a bit of fun, like not a real job and not really maybe talking about like serious stuff, but there are plenty of people there who are, like helping people, as you said, like you when you were younger. Yeah, I think that it, you know YouTubers don't always get a good a good stick in the media. Unfortunately, you know the media's quite more interested, like wants to talk about things like the Logan Paul controversies, or you know maybe even some of KSI's not so not some of his mm. content back in the early days. You know, wasn't always so PC. But I think that it also does maybe the media do also forget sometimes that. That YouTuber, that you know, for all its all its bad, you know, YouTube has a lot of good, and it has a lot of people, a lot of fantastic creators, having the conversations that need to be had, and actually, you know, you know, getting the conversation going. So yeah, I think that um, I wish the media would focus a bit more on that, focus a bit more on the good that that it's doing. I think maybe the fact that sometimes I guess the mainstream media maybe feel a bit threatened by the popularity of like YouTube and stuff, but just because at the end of the day, like more, if more people switch to like, you know, YouTube, if they don't move to YouTube as fast as everyone else, and just stick to like, I guess being on the TV, there's not really going to be much of many jobs left for them anyways. So 
Yeah. It's no, fair I enough. That right. I, I can see the point. Like, they don't always try to promote them and they sometimes are always under attack against the YouTube stars, even though, like, the majority of us at best will read, like, a BBC article just for, like, a brief insight into something and then we'll just go back to YouTube, anyways. Hmm. And I yeah. think that's more of the fault. But, yeah, then maybe, like, for example, news outlets such as BBC, like, they haven't migrated to YouTube as fast as they probably should have, given the current age. Hmm. I think, though, that. And you're starting to see this is I think people like the mainstream media, like the BBC and like various other outlets are starting to realize that if they don't move for the times then they're going to be left, left on the side. You know, we're starting to see now, mate, YouTubers are starting to become more mainstream. We're seeing the likes of Joe Stark appear on Strictly Come Dancing. We're seeing, you know, yeah. other YouTubers make their way onto our TV screens, onto film as well. Logan Paul has had a couple of credits, but I think that, um, yeah, I think people, media is realizing they need to they need to start incorporating these stars because ultimately they are they are picking in so many views you know they're the ones that are like i said really massive industry they can't ignore them anymore you know they can't just they can't just brush them off as just oh just some fad or some you know some youtube star that that doesn't really matter like no these these guys are becoming a-listers and you know they're starting to really develop a, a big following so i think we'll start to see more and more YouTubers, more and more other uh, influencers um, in general make their way into the mainstream. And I think, yeah, we'll see more on our TV screens for sure as time goes by. I think you're also seeing well, where people from mainstream media are going to YouTube to maybe like revive their career or increase it more. You're seeing like Will Smith's channel's massive now on YouTube. Gordon Ramsay's got one. Jack Whitehall started one, like, I think, a few years back. And yeah, on the, on the YouTube popularity stuff, I, I watch YouTube more than I do mainstream media. YouTube is probably my main source of anything visually, like any sort of video, any sort of content I consume probably through YouTube. Like if I want to learn how to do something, I don't even Google it, I YouTube it, like how yeah, to do this uh, and try yeah. and like watch someone doing it. And then even stuff like the prime minister's speech or press briefing at 5 p.m. each day. I go onto YouTube to watch Sky News. I don't even watch it on my TV. Like <laughs> oh, it's, wow. okay. yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, I, I literally, yeah, watch everything. It's, I, I could easily survive if there was only YouTube as, and there's no like TV. No, you're definitely not alone. I think a lot of people now are finding that. Uh, I, I agree, actually. I, I haven't really thought about it before, but yeah, I, I, I watch more YouTube than, than mainstream TV, I'd say. But yeah, I think I think it is interesting to see the the migration, as you say, of, of YouTube to TV, but also the other way around. I think it offers a great opportunity for for both mainstream and YouTube. You know, they they need to work together more, and and definitely can can be good outlets for both. Yeah, we we've been pretty positive, I guess, on influencing so far. Are there any like issues you see in oh, the industry? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I think it's the nature of, of anything kind of new, especially with the, how fast it's grown. I think that there is some dangers lurking in the wings that kind of need to be, will need to be addressed, I think. There's a couple of things. One big threat I see for influencers and another that I see for like the industry. So I'll start off with, with influencers. I, I, think, I think one of the big things that's the issue that other influencers are experiencing at the moment is kind of like fake likes and kind of just general, generally being disingenuous online. You know, unfortunately, it is very easy to fake stuff online, very easy to be disingenuous. 
So one one example, like one extreme sample, is fake likes and fake followers. We're seeing like since the explosion of social media, a lot of a lot of companies, you know, have sprung up that offer you know to buy followers. Uh, you can be able you buy followers to off them. I've not looked into the numbers, but I know that for hundreds of just for not that much money for you know 500 500 pounds something like that you know you can you can buy followers online and the main issue this serves i mean apart from just obviously making people a bit more wary of follower accounts the main issue is is when it comes to influencer marketing because you know a big part of influencer marketing is trust um the brand needs to trust that you know your numbers are genuine and that, you know, they're going to give you money to promote their product and that they will see return for their money. And kind of when influencers really started to kick off, a lot of brands started to flood to, to influencers to push their stuff. Unfortunately, because then people started using fake likes and for a lot, for a while, people, I don't think people really caught on to what was happening. And now we have seen quite a few cases pop up of people who've bought fake fake likes and fake, Insta- uh, fake followers. And that's definitely hurting the industry in terms of harming that reputation and harming the, the trust that between influencers and brands. So that's, that's an issue that like it, the kind of the social media companies probably need to, they're like the ones that can really help with that in terms of making, putting in checks in, in place to make sure that follower counts and likes and stuff are genuine. Well, Instagram are rolling out a feature to hide likes well, that's for the it. amount of likes you get, mm. are they? So they are doing that. I thought it was already done and you can only see it if you're like a creator or a business. I don't know. I, as far as I knew, it was kind of being rolled out to random people. I still see. I agree. I agree with you, Hamish. I thought it was coming out soon because they announced it like last year. I don't know whether or not it is just kind of a phased rollout where some people have it and some people don't. I still see likes, but that is something that is coming. Yes. But as as you also point out, if you're a creator, you can still see the likes, and I believe you can still, you can still see the like, even when even like a normal account will still be able to see the likes when how many likes they get on their posts. They just won't be visible to everyone else. So, I don't really see it affecting influencer marketing too much because people will still have access to their analytics in terms of their numbers. So yeah. they'll still be able to go to brands and say, look, I get this amount of average likes on this post. But um, obviously it will make it maybe a bit harder to see as a, as a follower, it'll be a bit harder to, to tell how well the influence is doing if you can't see their, their like count. It's also like, I'm usually against the TOS, so terms of service on most of the platforms anyways, for like, for example, on YouTube, it says if you do bots or any other um, buy the followers thing, it's actually against the terms of service. So if they catch you, you get banned. Yeah, and that's a good move, I think. I think they need to be pretty strict on this. You know, they can't let it get out of control. Um, and yeah, I think that they are definitely starting to clamp down now. Now they've clocked on to to it happening and, it, you know, they've they've started to clamp down, which is good. So yeah, we'll hopefully see that. You know that's hopefully being brought under control. And then in terms of in terms of the industry, then I think I think the main issue is is regulation. I do see I see the likes of like TikTok. I feel like they're on a similar path to YouTube right now, in the sense that you know YouTube went through a real golden era in the early like early 2010s, where people were getting so many views and, and, and also getting a lot of money from it. You know, there was, it was like a, a cash cow, you know, people, the big, the big creators like of PewDiePie and others, KSI were just getting 
lots of money because they were getting millions of views and the ad revenue that they were getting was was great. You know, they were getting a lot of money for for the ads because advertisers were flooding to YouTube to to get a slice of this the pie. You know, the the, the these massive numbers and in a way that you know other social medias weren't really getting. And then you had Logan Paul. Definitely, I would say Logan Paul did really bring an end to that to some extent because with the controversies he had and also PewDiePie with his anti-Semitic fallout thing that also mm. hurt the industry and, and then actually made made advertisers suddenly think oh you know hang on a minute you know YouTube that it's great can get all these get all these views but actually we're putting adverts on some videos that are really not not great that we don't want to be linked with so all of a sudden advertisers started pulling out start, and, and YouTube had to really clamp down on their on their ad, re- ad revenue scheme and, you know, on how they decided what videos were monetized and what weren't. And just as, as the years have gone by, we've seen them get stricter and stricter. So, like, now it is it is a lot harder to get monetized. I mean, I know that when, when coronavirus really was starting to gain traction, for example, anybody who mentioned coronavirus in a video was immediately demonetized. Like, that's an example of how kind of much, how strict they're being in terms of clamping down. So, yeah, I think... Places, medias like TikTok, they're right now, you know, I'm surprised with TikTok how easy it is to watch various content. You know, I regularly go on, I've gone TikTok fairly regularly and most sessions I will, I will get a video on the, the feed, which is the, the content that the algorithm pushes to you and will often have references like alcohol references or, you know, maybe even bad language or even sexual references to some, like, to some extent. And I'm amazed at how much content there is like there out there. And recently I was thinking, you know, how many kids is, how many kids is this content being pushed to? You know, and how many, and I know already there's also been some issues in terms of grooming and things with TikTok because it's very popular with teenagers. And we're seeing some reports of TikTokers coming out and saying that they are regularly approached by older men looking to groom them. So I do think that the the big issue for social media is right now is is regulation and because it's just a ticking time bomb really. I think TikTok needs to needs to seriously think about how they can regulate better because before you know it's just going to take a couple of really bad stories to potentially really harm them and and harm harm the platform. What is the selling point of TikTok? From whose perspective? What's the difference between like TikTok and Vine back in the day? So I think the main thing that, that TikTok has over Vine is the fact that on TikTok, you get 60 seconds and on Vine, you get, you only got six seconds. Oh, it's 60 seconds. Okay. You get 60 oh. seconds for a video. And this might not seem like much, but it is massive in terms of your ability to tell a story. I think people don't necessarily realize how important it is to tell stories with your, with your content. Especially on on things like TikTok and and Instagram, or like Instagram Stories, you want to to really build up like a sense of identity and a sense of brand online. You need you need to have a story. You need to have something that people can connect with. You know whether that's you as a person, whether it's the kind of content you create, your story. You know you need something that provides that connection, that story. And Vine just wasn't really long enough, and they never kind of brought in any feature that allow people to post for longer and tell that tell that story you know six seconds is just too short so i think with with tiktok you know it's still short it's still only 60 seconds it is that that extra length really makes a difference and it's, it's what i think 
is the reason why I think TikTok will stick around, whereas Vine, unfortunately, did die out. RIP. I don't. I don't know why I thought TikTok was a lot shorter. I think it's probably because I don't have TikTok, so whenever I see a TikTok, it's on like Instagram. So uh, and yeah. on Instagram stories, it's like a fifteen second limit. So yeah, I always just thought it was like quite short as well. Mm. Yeah, no, I remember when I first went on it, I kind of thought. I, I was a bit late to the party. For a while, I resisted get, getting TikToks. I thought, oh, it's just, it's just like Vine, but like more cringe. It's no, no good. But honestly, having been on it now, I've got to say, like, it is, it is, it is good. I, I think has a lot of, a lot of great content creators on there. You can't deny the numbers. I mean, it is just astronomical. It's by far the fastest growing social media app right now. And if it keeps on going how it's going, it, it is going to, continue to get bigger and bigger are you on tiktok hamish what's your opinion no i i don't think i would ever get into it the only things i see like that make it through like twitter or um, like someone like aaron would probably send is like that's all i'd see or if a youtuber reacts to certain things that i watch but then i don't know i i just don't think i would i'd ever be bothered with tiktok like it's just not not interesting or appealing to me i don't think i'm always gonna have the third wheel tiktok you know (laughs) if you want you can but i don't know what we're gonna do on the third wheel tiktok yeah yeah I gotta say, um, I do think I do would seriously urge you guys to consider it. I think one of the mistakes that creators make is that they don't they don't diversify enough and they don't get themselves on the different platforms. You know, it is it's very you know you can create a YouTube channel and try and grow it big, and you know it's possible to just create a channel and just through YouTube and just through their algorithm, you know, get get success and and get yourself out there, but. The bottom line is that the best, the best, you've got to go where it's popping. You've got to go where it's hot. And right now, TikTok is on fire in terms of their numbers and their downloads. So, you know, if you want to build a following, you you really need to be on TikTok. And that's whether or not, that's if you want to build a following on YouTube, if you want to build a following on Instagram, your best shot at building up a following as an influencer is to have, is to be on these different accounts and use them together, you know use them to give out shout outs to the other ones and, and use them to create different content, you know, click, get your YouTube video, chop it up into different bits, put some on TikTok, put some on Instagram, you know, put out pictures of your, your shoots on your Twitter. You know, do, this is what you need to really be doing, I think, to now, especially because there's so much noise going on. But if you can kind of coordinate that noise across different platforms, you know, co- coordinate your noise, you can amplify it. And it just it just means that you can get you know, get out to so many more people. But no, that's interesting. I, yeah, I didn't look at it in that way. Where yeah, TikTok is the the hot thing at the moment, so it is probably the best place at the moment to if you want to start out and get a following or something. TikTok is probably yeah. the the place to be. It's mad how you have like TikTok celebrities now, and I yeah. guess the same as with Vine and Day had Vine celebrities, but then a lot of them moved over to YouTube. Mm, indeed. Um, so I wonder if they'll do the same for like that. I guess you say longer content form if they wanted to something longer than 60 seconds. TikTok will need to keep things interesting to, to retain their followers. I mean, there's so much competition out there. You know, I don't think there's a lot of loyalty <laughs> out there now. People, influencers will go to wherever's offering the better the better money, money, whatever's hot, whatever's popular. So, you know, there's a real pressure on, on social media apps to... Um, to keep things exciting and keep things relevant. And it'll be interesting to see whether TikTok can maintain this upward trajectory and, and keep its keep its stars. I remember something about like Ninja and some controversy with Drake. Oh, because as far as I was concerned, like when Drake 
went on a stream with Ninja of some sort. That's when like Ninja started blowing up. But then afterwards, he was like, "Oh no, Drake owes me this amount of money or something," or like. Oh, he's really? like Drake owes me X Y. And I'm like, what are you on? Oh, the God. only reason people like me. I, I think Ninja was still pretty massive before Drake. But I'm saying like in my case, Drake probably like, helped. Like Drake is like way more worldwide than I think Ninja is, and way more popular. I didn't know Ninja till Drake did some sort of collaboration on it, and I was like, girl, so you're just gonna say Drake now owes you money, even though he probably gained you like you know a million followers, probably <laughs> knowing Drake's following. But like, I think if Drake wanted to play Fortnite, I think he would have tried to go for ninja whereas i don't think if ninja wants to play fortnite i don't think he'd be like oh let me get drake do you know what i mean uh, i don't know about that that's that's a, that's a sticky one still it was a mad it was mad that show i've watched that video of him playing fortnite with drake and it's just it was just mad I, it was one of those things that came out of nowhere i did not see that collab go come in anywhere <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's just you see it kind of blew up on youtube this this stream and i'm like that is just the, the maddest clash of world worlds but i love it the way i see it aaron is that drake doesn't need ninja but ninja needed drake i don't know if he did I I think Ninja uh, Ninja was the biggest gaming star. No, or still is. I don't think he was. I, don't, I, don't I think he, I think it blew up after Drake because that's what that's what went on social media and that's what like oh shit he played Fortnite with Drake. Let me just watch that one video. That's it. Yeah, but it was Ninja played Fortnite with Drake, not just like yeah, but like oh Drake played Fortnite. Yeah, but that's what made me watch it. Drake played Fortnite. I didn't with watch Ninja. it for Ninja. Yeah, like I didn't watch it for Ninja. I was just like, oh, let me just watch it to see what Drake's Drake. Yeah, yeah I, I think if Drake played it with anyone, it would have got yeah. it would have banged. I I still think Ninja was pretty big as well though i think on the no no loyalty thing you're actually even seeing it in like the podcast industry recently you have spotify have been buying a few podcasts in terms of so now joe rogan's podcast i believe is going to be exclusively on spotify oh yeah i've heard that as well yeah. rather than the other podcast players there's there's a podcast service out there that launched recently called luminary which is actually like a subscription-based podcast platform where people have to pay monthly to listen to their podcasts and like russell brand's podcast is on there so and i think i think spotify have bought a few others as well but there's been actually quite a lot of controversy surrounding that because i think the podcast community is kind of considered to be this like really friendly and open and anyone can listen kind of thing mm. whereas now it's yeah became more mainstream and more of a competition I guess. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's it's one of those things where we saw it with YouTube to some extent. You know, when YouTube first started, it was a great melting pot of different different people, and then you start to get things like YouTube Red, and you start to see it try and monetize things more and become more corporate. And yeah, to some extent, it's one of those things where for certain creators, it'll be very good. I imagine people like Joe Rogan will probably be getting a fair fair chunk of money for that. Um, but unfortunately I can also see it from the perspective of the kind of the the smaller creators who who maybe think, oh, you know, it's a shame that it's kind of starting to get more corporate and people you know, bigger companies are starting to kind of bully a bit and kind of get in there. So unfortunately a lot of the time the way these things go. Yeah. I agree. I thought something fun would do to be test your guys' knowledge of influencers. So basically, it's like a who am I quiz. So I've got four different influencers, and I've got four clues for each that kind of range roughly in difficulty from, you know, quite vague, but if you know who they are, then you might get it to try and making it more obvious as it goes, as it goes down. So I'm going to give the first clue. If you can buzz in and guess who you, who it is, if you think you know who it is off that first clue. And if you do that and you're correct, you'll get four points. If you 
buzz in on the second clue and get it right, you get three points. If you buzz in on the third clue and get it right, you get two points. If you buzz in on the last clue and get it right, you get one point. However, if you buzz in and you give your answer and it's wrong, you are then out for that question. And then it's up to the other person to either guess themselves or ask for another clue and, you know, they'll get the points sent for whatever clue um, they get it on. Because it's an influencing quiz, I think the best form of a buzzer is hashtag and your name. So, Aaron, if you want to buzz in, you have to go hashtag Aaron. And Hamish, if you want to buzz in, you go hashtag Hamish. So those are your two buzzers. Okay, let's let's get going. So nervous. Me and Hamish don't play against each other normally. So So first one. I was born on 24th of October, 1989, and currently reside in Brighton. Who am I? Oh, this is harder, man. <laughs> Who the fuck is from Brighton? Brighton. 89. So it's, it's not like... Do that, Matt. Really on. You got this. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not taking a guess from that. No, no, no. Do either of you want to guess or should I give, should I give the next clue? Yeah, yeah next clue. Yeah. Um, I first gained fame for my Let's Play videos on YouTube. Three points if you can get it right. I'm assuming we can't ask what game or anything it was. Like, what no, not, no, please. No. All right, shall we uh, move on? Yeah. I might need to write some of this stuff down. Okay. okay yeah. Third clue. Offline, my name is Felix Arvid Ulf Kelberg. Hashtag Aaron. Yeah. PewDiePie. Yeah, that's correct. It is PewDiePie. from Brighton. PewDiePie lives in Brighton, yeah. Oh, shit. What? Well, I thought he's from Sweden. Well, no, he's from Sweden. I said currently reside in Brighton. Oh, okay. In Brighton. He currently lives in Brighton. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, and he's been in Brighton for a number of years, I believe. I'm um, actually not even subscribed to PewDiePie. The same. <laughs> yeah. I just know he's yeah, massive, but... He's massive, yeah. 105 million subs, PewDiePie. Obviously, recently was top dog in YouTube for such a long time. And now T-Series, after a long, long battle, finally overtook him. And mid- T-Series is now on 142 million subscribers. It's just I'm insane. I'm pretty sure they paid for that. There's no way they got that. It's a big claim. It's a big claim. Okay, second one, number two. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. I am a TikTok star who gained popularity on the platform through my dance routines. I might take a guess just for the content. Go for it. I mean, it's four points. It would give you a very healthy lead. But then everyone on TikTok is like <laughs> famous for dancing. But I know there's one who's, okay, fuck it. Hashtag Aaron. Yeah. Addison Ray. It's not Addison Ray. Oh. It is, they are a TikToker, but it's not Addison Ray. Oh, it's the other one. Fuck, no. Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't know if Hamish should get it right away. <laughs> so, Aaron, you are now out. Hamish, you can take as many clues as you want, but you'll still only get the points you get for which clue you're on. Um, do you want the next one? Yes, please. Okay. Um, next one is, my father is an American politician. I keep going, next clue. Earlier this year, I became the first TikToker to amass 50 million followers, and I'm now the most followed person on TikTok with nearly 65 million followers. Oh fuck! This is gonna be so embarrassing because I did not know P- politician. That that could mean like any politician. I don't know if that means like Donald Trump's kid. I don't know if that means. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Um, yeah, just go to the next clue. Okay, the final clue this is for one point. My sister Dixie D'Amelio is also a TikTok star with over twenty-six million followers. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> Aaron, can you put him out of misery? I knew the surname, but I'm not sure. I don't think I can name the fir- the first name of her. No, it is, it's actually Charlie D'Amelio. I need, and, I need yeah, that surname. That's it, yeah, D'Amelio, because they've got the two sisters both on, in on it now. Yeah, massive TikTok star. Was a member of the Hype House, which was like basically a big penthouse with full of tick, about, I don't know, like 12 TikTok stars or something around that. 
But yeah. yeah, she's um massive. And I've got and also big on, on other platforms as well. I, kind of what I was talking about earlier. Only sixteen, but already has sixty five million followers on TikTok and like twenty million followers on Instagram, five million followers on YouTube and two million followers on Twitter. So I honestly think she's really on it in terms of making sure she's got a large following on across various social medias and yeah very impressive rise and only 16 she's in a very good position i think she's 16 she's 16 and she's she's already got this massive following so fair play to her the fuck (laughs) i think um that's actually mad because like she's got 64 million followers on there on tiktok tiktok's been around for how long and you've got people like like ksi who's been around for god knows how long on youtube and he's got a third of that yeah no, I mean, it is mad. It is mad. But like I say, TikTok's been really popping. And I think, I don't know what it is particularly that just that, uh, about her content in particular. I mean, she's, she's obviously, she's a good dancer. She always picks good songs as well. I think she, she was on it in terms of making sure she picked, you know, relevant uh, songs that, mm. that, that, that were popping to dance to. Definitely helped. But yeah, real, really is a master following very, very quickly. Yeah. Right. So scores on the doors. Currently, you're on two, Aaron. And hey, Miss, you yet to get off the mark. But maybe this, <laughs> this next is, this one. This is a poor showing. Maybe this us, next really. one is your chance, Hamish, to get some points back. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. So first clue. I am the most followed account on Instagram with over 225 million followers. I, again, I'm like, I've got two names in my mind. But okay. Anybody want to guess? 25 million. Yes. Okay, I think... I, Oh, shall I do it for the? If you do it, yeah, this is going to be a longer-winded listening to me listening to like the next three guesses. Okay, okay, go again. Okay. <laughs> but I think it might be. I think you could get it if it's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, second clue for three points. I'm a famous sports person. Oh fuck. Okay, good idea and guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I'm not. I'm not going to say what it is just in case there's a, another twist in. But I'm pretty sure it's per- famous sports person. Which sports person oh. is slipping famous? Is it? There's, I'm thinking one of two right now, but they're in one sport. They can't have that many followers. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think they had as many as. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go for another two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so for two points, I have won five Ballon d'Ors and 29 major trophies in my career. Yeah. I'm going to go for Cristiano Ronaldo. You're correct. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. yes. He has more than Kylie Jenner. Yep, he is the most followed account on Instagram. I thought I didn't genuinely didn't know Ronaldo had that many followers. I was thinking Honestly, Ronaldo or Messi when you said oh, like, "Shit, I'm I'm glad I didn't get that." Yeah, that's Aaron. <laughs> that's one of Aaron's favorites as well. Just know that. That's oh, it. Like it. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo. I was gonna say the full clue is I've won five Ballon d'Ors and twenty nine major trophies in my career, including six league titles, five UEFA Champions Leagues, and one European Championship. It's a good thing I don't Very let it get to that because I only got it. <laughs> so yeah, ready for the fourth and final. So it's all it's all even, I oh, believe, isn't it? Shit. Two all. So it was all tight going into the last one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for it. First clue for four points. I first gained popularity on the video sharing platform Vine. It's two one or two people. I'm, yeah, I yeah. don't want to say either of the names, but carry on. <laughs> next clue. You ready, Aaron? You ready for next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I gained a lot of traction on YouTube when I released my song "It's Every Day, Bro." Which hashtag, hashtag Aaron. Oh, who was first? Because <laughs> I feel like I I've got to say I I fully heard ha- hashtag Aaron. 
but I didn't hashtag Hamish. I don't. I just heard her. I feel like I couldn't hear it properly. So <laughs> do, I'm do, say, do we want a VAR? We I'm going to give it to Aaron for the pure oh, reason that I fully heard hashtag Aaron and I didn't hear fully hear hashtag Hamish. Sorry, Hamish, but no, that's no that's the ruling. So Aaron, go for it. Is it rice gum? What? It's oh not rice gum. Yes, no. you fucked it. How could you have <laughs> fucked it? <laughs> but it's, it's not. It's Jake Paul. It is Jake Paul. You Correct. mug. Yeah. No, the thing is, when I said hashtag Aaron, I was gonna say Jake Paul, and then once we had that little like discussion, I changed my mind to rice gum for some reason. Oh, I was no, like, wait, every day, bro, was that rice gum? Should have oh. stuck with your gut. You're thinking of it's every night, sis. That's what you're thinking. <sighs> the full, the full clue. Um, just to to finish it off was I gained a lot of traction on YouTube when I released my song "It's Every Day, Bro," which included the infamous line, "England is my city." I don't know if you remember that oh, okay. line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that got a lot of media attention, mainly for that line, actually. Um, it got a lot of stick because obviously it was quite funny, quite a faux pas. Yeah. Oh, I'm devastated. Are you guys are you guys out of interest? Are you guys team team Logan or Team Jake when it comes to the two brothers? Or do you L- Logan like has at least them? improved his contents, but I don't I will never I don't think I'll watch either of them. Yes. I'm I'm gonna say I'm a fan. I quite like his podcast, Logan Paul, or at least mm. when it first started, I thought it was pretty good i'm definitely like if i had to choose i'd 100 choose logan be more logan paul mm. um one thing that made a big difference was the act their actions during the black lives matter thing um when logan actually made a thing on the podcast about and jake was a jackass i went to fucking Margot mall and that, yeah. that, that that was just the difference between the two brothers in my opinion like yeah no i agree i do think that we did see them really act quite differently in response to it and i think logan's pull logan logan's so logan's response to to the black lives matter protest was definitely the better response and i think it showed how much he's matured uh, over the years and um i gotta say a lot of respect for him for for the fact that he didn't give up after that controversy yeah, yeah. in full and then he's, he's definitely learned from it and he's back on the rise again i mean he's gaining gaining traction again on this on his vlogs have been decent of like he started vlogging again and it's more in like the kind of david dobrik kind of format um yeah. where they're a lot shorter and just showing random stuff um which yeah. i think working well for him yeah for sure i think um he's like he's on the up and yeah we'll see hopefully as well we'll also see jake paul take on ksi at some point i'm really keen to see that <laughs> well, funny enough just as a side note i remember i listened to your earlier one of your early podcasts with was it yash or no nish, nish, was nish um yeah. where you talked a bit about the um boxing hamish you you were very keen to see gibbo fight jake paul but i assume you regretted that <laughs> quite quickly when you saw the fight i put the money on gibbo and i think he just had there's too much nerves on him on the day and he got started, <laughs> what was but, he doing man right, I, I, I was hoping you didn't bring it up because it's like a sour topic for me i'm like fam because <laughs> if anyone ever knows it anyone knows i said that in episode five i just look like a mug right now <laughs> Oh man, I'm gutted about that quiz. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, I'm lucky. The thing is, it wasn't even like I didn't know any of them. Like I knew each one of them, but mm. I really hope on the VAR it also shows. That, like when listening back to this on editing, it shows me coming buzzing in first as well. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did it for the culture. I did it yeah. for the content. <laughs> um, I guess moving aside from influencing, there's something you mentioned in our in our plan and that's like the psychology of happiness um something you've kind of been interested in read read up on we talked about it a bit i think in one of our old episodes uh with snasia 
not sure what number that is, but like just she like referenced a few books she's read and like how happiness kind of plays a role in people's lives. So yeah, just thought it'd be interesting to get your take take on yeah. what you've kind of learned from it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose I should caveat this by saying I'm by no means I'm by no means an expert or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I've um it's something reading is something I've tried to do more of, especially this year. Um, I read a, I watched a video on YouTube back in November, which is a book a week, reading a book a week changed my life by John Fish. And um, I must admit, was watching that video, I felt really inspired. I thought, you know, I haven't enjoyed a good book basically since high school. And uh, and I realized, you know, I need to I need to read some more. It was through that John Fish as well, his YouTube channel that I read the book Flow by Mihaly Chitskin Mihaly. I'm sorry if I butchered his name there. <laughs> but yeah, I would say there, you know, there are some books that are good. And there are some books that change your life. And I can honestly say that reading that book was really insightful and really helped me kind of change my mindset. So those who don't know, um, Haley is a, a psychologist who studied happiness for over 20 years. And Flow is kind of culmination, a combination of the various work he's done over the years and all the numerous studies he's done. And yeah, like what he's learned. And um, it's a brilliant book full of great insight and practical, practical ways to improve your happiness. Because ultimately, I think it's what everyone really wants, isn't it? I mean, it's something that, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about my life, you know, I want to be successful. But, you know, that's not just because, you know, I want I want clout or I want, you know, just, just to earn money. You know, I want to ultimately, I, I you know, I'm doing it because I'm doing one of certain things because I want to try and I think that's what's going to make me happy and it's something that I enjoy. So I think happiness is, if there's anything to strive for in life, happiness is a pretty good thing to to strive for. So that's kind of where the interest starts. And yeah, I say this book was what really got me, started me on the road of, of trying to look more into it and read a bit more. So yeah, I find it, I find it fascinating and, and flow with in particular. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of him or read his book. Have you no. heard of it? I suppose a brief summary is, is, yeah, it's all about this thing called flow, which is a state of total immersion while doing an activity. So it's like that. I don't know if you've ever maybe done, you might have found it in sport or, or other things where you like, you kind of lose track of time and you're lost in the activity that you're doing. Great when you're in it in, in terms of just that, that loss of, just lost yourself in the activity you're having fun and yeah uh, he talks about flow being very important for for happiness he kind of says flow is kind of like it's a route to to kind of getting that happy that happy feeling and there are various ways in which you can find flow i suppose the things you need for it you need to kind of there's a few things you need to to be able to get into that state and basically it needs to be an activity that you can fully concentrate on and it needs to be an activity that you are getting feedback, you know, pretty quickly from. So a brilliant example, or kind of the best example of flow is sport. It's, you know, when you're playing sport, maybe when you're playing floorball, Hamish, or whatever, um, you're, you're lost in the activity and you're getting a lot of feedback immediately. You know, when, you, when you're playing football, you get the feedback of whether you, you, hit the, you aim to hit the ball in a certain area and you get it in, uh, into, that, into that spot, then you get that feedback of that was good, uh, you know. And you also need to be improving a skill in some way. And obviously, sport's a great way to, to, be, to improve your skills, whether it be hand-eye coordination or just general general skill in the sport so he talks yeah talks about this flow and it made me realize that actually that's what I've always looked for is flow it explained to me reading that book explained to me why I love sports so much and why sports always been something that I've done and something that I just is my time I use sport as my 
kind of, you know, way to vent off, you know, my stresses or if I'm worried about anything, you know, playing some sports, a great way for me to just enjoy it, relax and just have fun. And I realize now um, that it isn't just because sport is sport, but actually it's because it allows me to get this flow and, and that's key. But I think what's, what's great is, and what's great about the book is that it talks about how you can get flow. There's so many more areas than just sport. Hmm. Sport's a great way of getting flow, but it's not by any means the only way you can get flow. And ideally, you want to be getting flow in as many areas as your life as you can. You want to be getting flow in work. You know, if you can get, if you can find a job that you enjoy, that you can work on skills and, and get feedback and like I say, kind of have that sense of loss of time. That is, that is great. And it's like gold dust. You don't want to, you know, that's what you want to be looking for. And I feel very lucky. I think that. You know, I really love PR. It's something I really enjoy. And I can say that I honestly do think I experience quite a bit of flow in my work. So I feel very lucky to have that. And I very much value that. And you can just, you can have it in so many areas of your life. He talks about throughout the, in the book, he kind of goes through different areas, flow in work, flow in fam, with your family in terms of family time, um, flow even with sex. And I, I mean, it really is, there's so many different areas in which you can find flow. And yeah, I think it's something that once you can gain an understanding of how your brain works and how you, what makes you happy, it's so powerful because then it allows you to be more efficient with your time, um, allows you to actually weed out the stuff that isn't giving you flow and weed out the stuff mm-hmm. that isn't really helping and, and really focus on the activities that will develop you, develop your skill, develop your sense of self. So yeah, fantastic book. I really recommend anyone. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like never, never really thought of it like that, but you have a lot of instances where you might be like looking at the clock like especially this is kind of a scenario maybe in like the workplace you hear a lot of people doing that like you're kind of waiting for five o'clock or six o'clock for that or even like in school you're waiting for like three thirty, three forty-five, whenever school finishes or in like a lecture at university you're waiting for the end of the hour yeah, yeah. Uh, just so you can like get out and it's, it's obviously shows you're not really like enjoying your time there if you kind of want just waiting for it to be over kind of thing so mm-hmm. i guess losing just forgetting about time altogether kind of shows you're you're invested in whatever you're doing. Indeed. Yeah. Aaron, you you were clearly looking at the clock whilst you were asleep in these lectures, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was I was happy asleep. Like so yeah, there is that. I think I think the only danger is with is with flow and something that kind of I've thought of obviously um, since reading the book, I read it, it just yeah, like I say, really opened up my eyes to how how I can maybe look for flow in, in my life. The only danger is, I think, with it is that you can get lost in the habit of just constantly looking. So obviously it's all about goal setting, right? Importantly for flow, you need to have goals like that you can work towards and then you get the feedback of working towards that goal and then that's what gives you that kind of feeling of you've accomplished something and you develop yourself, develop that sense of self. But you can get lost in a trap of just constantly setting goals, like little goals, and never really seeing something out till the end. You know, and I'm wary of that to some extent with like things like the modern influencer. Also I've been trying to learn French for the last year and a bit. Oh, nice. And it's it's one of those things where I'm trying, making sure not to fall into the trap of just trying to do loads of different things to get that flow, to get that happiness, but also remembering that you need to have wider goals as well, bigger goals that you're working towards. And don't get caught in the game of just constantly setting goals and never really achieving much. I was actually going to ask you around the topic. Like, So I commonly hear things like, I won't live forever, so I'll live in the moment or something. I want to have a good time right now. Who cares about, you know, 10 years down the line or whatever? And I was just curious as to like, for me, like personally, I always go for super long term goals and I don't really think of the happiness aspect. I think of like 
I would have just made it by that point. So I'm just trying to think like if people, I guess, try to go for the, you know, or what makes me happy, like, I guess right now or what will try and make me happier for the time being, is that always a good balance? Like how how would they best balance that out doing it both long term and short term? Because obviously long term, you still got to, whether you like it or not, you have to kind of still plan for the long term. You can't do everything, you know as it comes yeah it's about getting that balance i mean one of the other things that Mahaley talks about right near the end of the book um actually is that he says kind of as an overarching thing something else you really need to be happy is to have a some sense of meaning you know you have to in your life have some wide sense of meaning that your life that what you're doing matters for for whatever reason so a common thing he says a common way that people might find meaning is through religion for example and like what meaning allows you to do is allows you to to feel like what you're doing does make a difference. And also if you can have meaning in terms of, you know, a, a wider goal that you want, what you want to do in life, what you want your life to, to mean, what you want to, you know, what, what you deem as in really important bigger goals are very important to have because they make those little things that you do in a day or in a week or in a month, they, they, you know, they add up to, to this wider meaning, this wider goal. So I do think it's very important to have that, but at the same time, you do also sometimes just need to live in the moment. You know, I think that it's one of those things where self-help especially can be a great thing. It can be something I've read up quite a bit recently you know, over the last year. It's great, but it also does have that darker side to it, which is that you can kind of get so lost in constantly trying to improve and constantly trying to work towards goals that you you can forget sometimes to just enjoy life because at the end of the day we do only have one life you know once a moment's gone it's gone so I do think that there definitely needs to be a balance in terms of having those wider goals having that wider meaning and long-term goals but also yes like you say sometimes just actually saying you know what I'm going to live in the moment I'm not going to maybe this weekend I'm, I'm going to work on on just having fun and relaxing rather than constantly feeling like you have to be working towards a goal and improving yourself. So yeah, I think I think definitely a balance is, is crucial. Yeah, I know that made me think of, to be honest, I'm, I, this might be like massively not related, but I think there's like some relation. Yeah, I used to always think whenever like I was like buying something or like not necessarily buying something, but anything in general. But I think the particular instances I can remember is like when I'm like looking to buy a product, maybe a laptop or a new phone or something like that. And often I'd always be like, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait till like the new one comes out or yeah, like something like that or wait till I have a bit more money. But then the amount of time you wait, you're missing out on, it's kind of going to lose value by that time. So you might as well just, you might as well get it now. And then you've got it for all that time additionally that you would have waited to buy it. To be honest, I think I'm changed shit. I don't know in my head it makes sense what I'm kind of relating it to this it does but. kind of make sense uh, one way I like to compare what you just said is the current Call of Duty that's out yeah so basically I, obviously I, I was no, I didn't think I just thought it was just going to be another Call of Duty anyways when it came out and I was just going to watch it through you know some YouTube person that I watch but then come like around I guess Christmas time or so I was like oh shit this one actually looks like it looks and feels even through the video it just looks like one of the older ones and I potentially look like it seems like my laptop can run it, so I'm potentially interested, but I want to buy it on the sale. And I didn't buy it on the first set of sales, so like I only got it like earlier this year. Like I was just like, but I I waited because I obviously I was like I don't want to pay this entire price for something I'm probably not gonna pay for a long time anyways. Mm -hmm. And then I waited, but then obviously in that moment I know that if I was playing at that time, I could have had a whole lot more fun that everyone else was having at the time and so on. Obviously, mm -hmm. they would have other consequences to the time and schedule and so on, but 
I do I do see like the point like how long do you wait before you get something or do you get the new one like yeah you know, no, so it's, I do understand I know uh, I do know that struggle yeah I mean I think that it's it is difficult sometimes to know when when to wait and when to go for it but I think that ultimately if it's something that's going to bring you happiness like so I think generally speaking if you if you have a you have the option to to buy something that can give you long-term happiness and it's all generally speaking it's always a good purchase and, and, and it's worth maybe spending that little bit extra just to you know to get the the best use of it the long-term use of it yeah but these are more like materialistic things rather than the mm-hmm. i think kind of long-term and short-term happiness you guys were mostly talking about i was gonna say like i saw a lot of like i guess influencers and other people talking about how they always buy like designer clothes and all these like they have like so many clothes and then when it comes now in lockdown they realize that they can't wear out like 10 different sets of trainers and so on yeah so now basically they're just wearing like one or two sets of clothes in rotation in the wash because there's nothing else for them to do in lockdown so it kind of i guess for me i wasn't as affected because obviously i don't have like that many stuff but i was just like yeah i'm glad i never just got carried away when i finally started making money and i bought out like all these clothes and so on because then i'll be stuck in a situation like them where i have all this monetary value and plan and i can't do anything with it for whatever reason it is i think you're very right i think a lot of people in lockdown will be realizing that it's something that you know i think it's another reason why again this flow is so important is that you know flow doesn't rely on on buying things you know you don't you don't have to buy something to get flow. You can get flow. It flows an experience. And I think happiness through an experience is so much better and so much, you know, gen- more genuine than just buying something that, you know, will make you feel good almost just through the act of buying it. You know, clothes are a good example. A lot of people get drawn into the trap of just buying clothes, not necessarily because they need them, but just because they want that dopamine hit of, of getting something and treating themselves. And that's okay every now and then, don't get me wrong. I, I, I myself uh, have been known to do the odd comfort shopping here and there. But I think that it also, generally speaking, if you can find flow in you know healthy ways, it's it's so much better. And that's what I've been trying to do for the last year and a bit, recent start of 2019, when I decided that you know I was going to really start trying to focus on goals, setting goals and achieving them. And it's, it's definitely made me so much happier and allowed me to feel like so much more efficient with my time. And actually, just yeah, just generally getting a lot more, uh, being a lot happier. Have you got any uh, goals you're currently working on? You mentioned you're learning French, and then I assume like the modern influencer is probably another one. Yeah, yeah. Before lockdown, kind of the three main things I would say that I was working towards was obviously, I'd, as you say, French, something. I'm still going with it. It's, it's a long process. I really didn't. I'm pleased I've stuck with it, and, and I'm still going. I'm still making yeah. progress, but it, it is a long slog. And then the other one is obviously the modern influencer. That's definitely, you know, something that, like I said, my goal is to, to do it at least for a year and, and, you know, give it a proper good go and a proper good shot and regularly upload content, which is easier said than done, but that's what I'm working towards. And then the other thing is sport. So I play ultimate frisbee and that's something I really enjoy and something that I get a lot of flow out of. You know, there's goals within that as well. So those are the three main areas that I, I do work towards. But unfortunately with lockdown and things, I haven't been able to, play frisbee i've thrown a little bit but i haven't been able to actually play this sport much yeah i imagine that's pretty difficult with social yeah. well, actually social distancing i guess frisbee but the bacteria is pretty decent because it's, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those i mean you can throw like i mean you can disinfect the disc and throw and things and so you no know, in that sense it's not too bad the trouble is that the actual sport itself uh, requires yeah. you to be within 
close distance of other players. You know, when you're marking a player, you're really quite close. Yeah, it's like on a football pitch. Yes, it? yeah, it's, it's similar, but like even closer than on football, you kind of do more zonal marking generally, I feel like, unless you're in the box, mm. maybe for a corner. But in Frisbee, you're pretty much generally or often very close to a man. And, and when you do, when they've got the disc, then you're going to force them, which means you're, you're two metres away. It's always, it is quite a close contact in that sense. So unfortunately, it'll probably be a while until it's back up. But when it is, I will be very much itching to get back on the pitch. How did you uh, get into it? Was it just at uni? It's kind of, I guess, uni was the first time I ever heard of such a thing as ultimate free. I knew Frisbee, but didn't know it was ever like played competitively or anything like that. Yeah. So I actually had played it a little bit at school, very briefly. Okay. It was kind of one of those things. We had a we had a very good sports officer in our school who was always keen to bring in new sports. So like there was this sports sports club where every diff, every week or like every four weeks, I think it was, they do a new choose a new sport. So about four for for about four weeks in year ten, they we did frisbee. And oddly, oddly enough, out of my friends, I was I had a group of about five five or six friends, and we all loved sports. So we'd always do this this sports club in the week. And out of all of them, I was the worst at frisbee. I I, I was scared, petrified of the disc. I was a real wimp, to be honest with you. I, uh, I I didn't want to get near that disc. It was coming flying at my face. I was not interested in trying to catch it. I just wanted to avoid it. But I, I went to uni looking for a new sport. I'd done football and I'd done karate a lot. Um, and I kind of went to uni thinking, I want to try something different. You know, I've, I've, I've kind of done these. Mm. Uh, so I went to the sports fair and the president at the time back in that year, 2015, 16, a guy called Peter, Peter Waitman, he said, uh, he just came up to me. I was like walking around and went up to their stand and he said, oh, do you want to try Ultimate Frisbee? And I I, I must have completely forgotten about the sport, really. And I remember being like, oh, I, I, I vaguely remember that in school. And he said, yeah, it's a great sport. Now, here's our fly. should give it a go and showed me a video. And um, it just, it looked interesting and interesting enough to make me think, oh, I'll give this a shot. And I went to the taster session and then I just never looked back. I had, I had the best time at Warwick playing Frisbee, yeah. Ultimate Frisbee for, for Warwick Bears. Mm-hmm. Made so many friends. Um, it's a wonderful community really friendly um, both at university, the university level and also outside of university at club level it's just a wonderful sport I highly recommend people go check it out you know uh, Marquez Brownlee MKBHD the YouTuber uh, yes YouTuber. yes yeah I know him yeah, yeah. he's a ultimate frisbee uh, he is like professional player I'm pretty sure yes yeah he plays He plays. he's played in America and he's a fantastic ambassador for the sport there's him and him and Brody Smith Brody Smith doesn't play as much anymore unfortunately been a bit hampered by injuries and he actually plays a lot more disc golf at the moment and, and regular golf um, but he for a long while was a fantastic ambassador for, for Ultimate Frisbee as well posting uh, kind of trick shots on YouTube and kind of generally yeah. shouting out the sport um, but yeah Marcus Brownlee's a, a, a great guy to a great uh, ambassador to have and um, hopefully bring in more and more people to the sport um, which is obviously fantastic. Yeah, I think Frisbee probably, especially when I was like first year of uni, it probably got a bit of a, I wouldn't say like a bad rap, but like it's like Frisbee, it's like, oh, it's not, it's not like football or rugby or anything like that. You probably, people probably just assume it's not very cool. But I saw like a few clips of MKPHD actually playing. I'm like, how do they do that? Like <laughs> they yeah. throw the Frisbee, how, like if I threw a Frisbee, I don't think I'd be anywhere near accurate with it. It just kind of goes where it goes as far as like I can remember and just curls away. Well, something. that's it. I but think it's, it definitely seems like a lot of skill involved. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think kind of like you, I, when I first thought about going to Frisbee, I kind of thought, Oh, you know, and then I can look at a Frisbee and I thought, that's just the thing you just like throw in a park and you just throw it a bit, you know, what's all that about? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I got into the sport that I realized 
just how many ways you can throw a frisbee. I mean, it is it is incredible that this little plastic disc has got one right on right on here. You know, just yeah, how yeah. what you can do with it when you when you have the technique, you can you know send it hundred like hundred yards, hundred fifty yards, or you can you can throw it in, you can throw it over your head, and you can make it kind of curve in and curve out and you can do trick shots it's incredible so yeah i think a lot of people will be surprised at just exactly what you can do with it and the sport it's, itself is just a fantastic sport i mean I, I know it does get a bit of a bad rap at times as being a bit uncool but honestly i think any i, I challenge anyone who thinks it's uncool to go on youtube watch some frisbee high type in ultimate frisbee highlights watch it watch a video and, and tell me you still think it's uncool because i think it's one of it's it's fast paced there's some fantastic yeah. plays people bidding you know jumping for discs and catching them high over people's heads like you know it's it's a, i i think it's a really great exciting spectator sport and exciting to play as well other than that you've you've got quite a uh sports resume i'd have to say mm-hmm. uh, it seems like you've, you've represented like wales and great britain a number of sports and a card game that's it yeah 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 let's start with uh i guess karate yeah karate and football so you did that on like a national level yeah, I've represented, I've represented Great Britain twice. Very lucky to represent. Very grateful for that. Yeah, I started karate when I was about, I think I was seven, maybe eight. Basically, my mum, I was kind of getting to the age where I wanted to try different sports. I'd already kind of started on football, but my mum was keen to get my brother into sport as well. My brother wasn't really naturally interested in football. And um, mm. we went to a place called Knighton, which is just inside the Bosch border, I think, kind of just, it's on, it's on the Bosch England border, Bosch England border. And the local cafe there that we used to go to there was a little, um, like an advert for karate. And my mum just said, Oh, do you fancy going to that? And so me and my brother started there. Yeah, it's been, uh, it was fantastic. You know, I'm very, very grateful for, for what karate did, not just from the, from the experiences I had, but in terms of the character building, you know, it, mm. it was, it was fantastic. And yeah, I was very lucky to, to be at a really good dojo. And as I moved on, really started to take it more and more seriously, got to Black Belt in 2009 when I was 12. And then after that, I got introduced to a guy called Sensei Tom Beardsley, who was a friend of my sensei. And it just so happened that he was the main guy for Shukukai Karate in the UK. And um, so I started training at his dojo and it was through them, through that then that I got uh, selected to be on the GB squad. To, and we went out to Germany uh, to the Goodwill tournament in 2011. That was fantastic. That was my first my first international tournament. And that was That's great fun. Sick. Yeah, I got, got um, a a silver in the team catter and a bronze in the in the kumite, in the fighting. Oh, mad. And then in 2013, then, I went to Australia. And that was, that was the pinnacle. That was just such a fantastic experience also very very lucky very successful on as well I, I won a gold medal in the under 16 boys kata um which i really was not expecting actually before i went i remember i i was very nervous about going and about a week before i was meant to go i uh, went and had a training session i was training at that point i was training about uh, five times a week i was training twice with my original sensei and also twice with my with sensei tom beersley and also doing gb squad kind of special trainings kind of every couple of weeks uh, on the weekends 
that were like four or five hours long. So it was very intense. And about a week before we're meant to go to Australia, I go to have this training session. I just think while I'm there, the, it's the end of the session. I just go to my sensei, sensei Tom Beardsley, and say, oh, can you just, can you just give me some, some advice on this stance? And it, it's called the sumo stance in karate. And I said, oh, can you help me with this? And so he said, yeah, go on then. So I did, did my sumo stance. I did, did them as best I could, did about four or five different positions. He goes, oh, okay, um, right. Well, you could do this and you could do this. And he gives me a list of about four or five things, which I, you know, things that I thought quite fundamental things that I, I could improve and needed to improve on. Them. And I remember like, I kind of had asked him for this advice thinking he might just give me like one or two tweaks. And I really wasn't, wasn't prepared for, for how, just how much feedback he was going to give me and how much he, he he felt like it could be improved. I was quite caught off guard. And so I was driving back that night from training and I remember saying to my mum, like I was, I must admit, I was in pieces on the way back. I thought, this is terrible. I know I'm, I'm in a week's time, I'm going to go to Australia and I'm going to embarrass myself. Look at all this. I'm, I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this wrong. You know, it's only a week to go. I can't, I can't improve this stance or, you know, in that time. Yeah. And I remember just stressing and freaking out and just being like, Mom, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can go. I don't want to embarrass myself. And mom's like, come on, don't be silly. Like it'll be okay. And then I went and I and I won the gold medal. And I honestly I've never been so shocked in my life. I remember when I saw the flags, it's the flag system shows one. I saw the flags okay. go up and it was my colour. I genuinely never been so shocked in my life. And I think it was a very important moment because obviously it was just fantastic in terms of just what an achievement I was very very pleased but also it taught me to believe in myself and it taught me that you know actually you mm -hmm. can do things and you shouldn't you shouldn't worry too obviously he was he was my sensei and it's important to to listen to your teachers and take from them but also have that confidence in yourself and have that confidence in in your ability and that's that was a big takeaway I took from that experience and, and it, it it's it stood me and put me in good stead no that's bad like a gold medal in like any sport at any level is pretty pretty impressive is it something you still like do today like is karate something you can just learn and then get to black belt and then just stop and then you'd always kind of have it in your locker almost no it's something i probably do remember bits i mean i every now and then i try and do a kata just to try and remember and i must admit, i've forgotten quite a bit of it but like the fundamental the fundamental basics in terms of mm -hmm. kicking and punching like i still have that confidence that i could still defend myself in most situations which is, is definitely good to have but no unfortunately soon after australia it was about the time i was doing starting my a levels and i kind of felt like i'd already achieved so much more in karate than i ever dreamt and see, i i didn't get into karate thinking i'm going to do this you know really seriously and i'm going to get to an inter international level i never i never dreamed didn't even dare to dream that that was a possibility for me um and i think that karate already had gone beyond my wildest dreams so when when i achieved that gold it felt amazing um mm -hmm. but i think after that i thought look if i want to keep this going i'm gonna like it already it taken it taken a lot out of me doing you know getting ready yeah. for australia you know i was training so so much and and mentally a lot of pressure you know to, to at that standard and i and i kind of thought this has been great and I've, I've already achieved so much more, but I, I felt like it was also a good time to maybe take a step back, focus on my studies. Cause I didn't want to take it. I didn't want to go pro like uh, professional. I mean, I, I'm not sure exactly what, you know, how much money there is in, in professional karate, but I knew that I didn't really want to, to keep going. I felt like now it's a good time to end it. So I, I ended it. I, I did it a bit a, for a bit more after 2013, but um, once my level started, I, I pretty much cut it out altogether. Yeah. And then what, were you doing karate on the side with football as well? 
football, they effectively. I did. I did both for as long as I could. I mean, I'm a bit kind of in the run up, kind of twenty. 12, 2011, 20, I did have to kind of make a choice and um, I did cut back on football to focus on karate. Okay. But from, I did, I kind of still, I always kept up my football. Like I always, I never completely cut out football and I managed to get to county level at football, just, just South Powys, okay. not the whole of Powys, just South Powys. <laughs> but still, it was, it was good. I, I love, love football as well. Football was my first love. It was the first mm sport i fell in love with and, and the first you know the first thing i wanted to be when i was young was a footballer you know that was yeah that was the kind of that's what really got me into sport and then from then i just i was always up for trying things now i've tried most sports table tennis i did for a bit tennis itself i did as well golf tried a bit of that as well and this card game bridge yeah i kind of in school i was one of those oddballs because i uh i obviously was quite an avid sports fan and had quite a few sporty mates and on the other hand, I played bridge, which kind of contradicted maybe some of that cool sports points I got. I thought I'll balance this out by also doing bridge. Don't be too cool, yeah. You know? That's it, you know. So yeah, um, I love bridge. Honestly, I got I got a lot of stick for it growing up. I've lost count of the amount of times it was suggested that I'd had sex with an OAP. But I like it's, it's a great, great, not a sport, of course, just a great card game. Unfortunately, it's not, not classified as a sport. But yeah, I got into that through my father, who was a, uh, and my mum, they both played. And uh, for ages, I begged my dad to teach me. But because Bridge went on quite late, the club would go on till about 10, 10 30. He said that I had to wait until I was 13 to play. So literally, when I turned 13, I said to dad, oh, come on, teach me how to play bridge then. And um, he did. And then I kind of ran with it. I, I've been playing ever since. And I'm lucky as well to be able to play for Wales in the, at the junior level, which has allowed me to go to Germany and allow me to go across the UK as well in various tournaments. No, it's really impressive. Like everything, everything you've done, like right up until like modern influencer too, it's yeah, sounds like all pretty sick. A lot more than I've achieved, probably. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's very kind. It's very kind. I'm very grateful to sport. Sure. Have either of you heard of Bridge out of interest? Have you, have you heard or played? The game? Heard of it? I don't even know what it is. Heard of it? I never played though. Okay, it's a bit like it's a bit like Whist. Have you ever played Whist? No. Nope. Okay, because the way I like to describe it is, it's like a complicated version of Whist. But no, it's 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 a team game. You play with one other person. You play. Normally, it's four you know, on the table and you play with the person opposite and you're just trying to maximize your hands, basically your hand. You're trying to kind of combine work your hand with your partner's hand to get the best, the most amount of tricks you can. And you try and communicate with your partner through the bidding, which is which you do before you start playing the cards as you have your bidding. And that's kind of the way in which you try and communicate to your partner what's in your hand. And um, it's kind of like codes, like you use kind of different codes to try and indicate what you've got. Okay. Have to take a look at yeah, well, unfortunately, there's not enough young people playing. Part part of the reason why I got into the Welsh squad is because there just isn't really is not that much okay. competition for spaces. The the Welsh regime very keen to promote the sport and very keen to get more young people involved. So you know, I feel very fortunate that you know I got to go to places like Germany because you know I was all right, you know, decent at bridge, but honestly, never fantastic. But because there wasn't that much demand, there, the, like I said, the competition was low. Um, it'd be great for the sport if we could get more young people involved because yeah. um, unfortunately it is still very much an old person's game and still something, it very much struggles to bring in young players. 
So yeah, I'd say if there's anyone out there looking for maybe sport isn't your thing, but you're looking for something that will give you that mental workout and kind of give you some some skills to work on, like cards and especially bridge is a great great way of doing that. Get some get some flow. Indeed, indeed, get some yeah. flow. So yeah, I'm very grateful to sport. I think people often forget. I don't think people realize just how important it is, how important sport is for for character building and for developing not only your skills within the sport but also developing social skills and developing a sense of self and a sense of accomplishment i mean i honestly don't think i can say i would not be the man that i am today if it was not for playing sport as a youngster and and getting the experiences i had through it i think it's something that it's a shame that it's something that is repeatedly underfunded i know that when the last recession hit and we went into austerity sports and like you know, P and things like the, the funding for schools, it's an easy target. You know, we'll, we'll, what do we cut? Oh, we'll cut the sports funding. And I think it's a real shame. I think I really hope that, you know, obviously it looks unfortunately like we'll probably be going into another recession, but I do hope that, you know, they'll they'll continue, the government and local authorities will continue to invest in sport because I just think it's so vital for young people and, and can be such a, a great thing uh, for kids growing up. I agree. Totally. That's probably another another topic in itself. Um, we talked quite a while. This has been a really, really interesting episode. I think yeah. learned a lot about, I thought I already knew quite a bit about influencers and influencing, obviously by the quiz, not so much, but <laughs> I think learned, you've like given a lot of insight into like, yeah, your knowledge. And I mean, a lot of things for us to take as well from that, like to use in the podcast itself. So yeah, well, no, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great, really great to come on and chat to you guys. And yeah, keep on going with this podcast. I think it's great. I'm excited to see you know where you guys go. See, might see you rise up the ranks, influencer ranks. I definitely <laughs> think you're onto something. And yeah, also Felix, uh, watch out. That's it. When this piece, <laughs> when this piece comes out, or when this uh, goes live, um, our second installment from your interview our second piece will be up on the website with tips on how to start a podcast and podcasting in general so definitely if anyone's interested in maybe reading a bit more about podcasting and, and getting an insight into your guys's tips and tricks then i definitely would recommend people go check that out and, and go check out the website in general www.moderninfluencer.co.uk i'd really appreciate it if you could give us a follow on any social medias as well and yeah thank you so much for this opportunity it's been been really good fun yeah, so we usually close off by asking some final questions. So I'll start off. Um, number one, who is your dream podcast guest? Or even like dream guest you'd like to interview on The Modern Influencer, even? It's difficult. I think part of me is like you've got to, it would, my mind immediately jumps to someone like PewDiePie, you know, like the father of YouTube, really. I think, you know, when you think of OG mm. YouTubers, you know, feel it. PewDiePie, sorry, is, is right up there. But actually, I think now, if you were to ask me, who would you like to interview? Um, I'd probably say Mr. Beast. I think Mr. Beast, his mm. rise on YouTube over the last couple of years or two, three years has been fantastic. And it's been really great to see. And I just think he is somebody who has always stayed genuine and always stayed authentic. And and I really respect that. I really respect the fact that he's always stuck true to kind of core principles and core style of content and hasn't tried to, you know, to change to maybe fit in more or to to get more money he's always been very honest and and i say authentic and i really respect that so i'd love i'd love to get an insight into into him and um into exactly what motivates him 
and and just chat about some of the crazy videos he's done because in terms of content <laughs> um you know some of the stuff he's done and it's just so out there and fantastic so yeah i'd, I'd probably say he's my dream dream interviewer so yeah no that's a really good choice like he's i, I respect him massively like you see I don't know if you're from the outside and you're looking in, you probably just see his titles and thumbnails. I think, oh, there's so much money involved and all that. But like, he's giving it away to other people. He did the whole like tree planting initiative. Yeah. And as well, he's, he's always recording with like his mates, like that he's had since like day one. And they're like almost, they're a part of the channel as well. I'd get in uh, growing with it. And he also seems like, awkward as well as in like a is not like get to his head kind of thing he's still the same same person from the beginning indeed yeah no i think he's he's great okay second question is just simple one what's what's next for you what's like in the plans what's in the plans good question i do have a couple of interviews in the wings that i'm excited to release one with a guy called max reisinger which will hopefully be going up live soon he's a young youtuber who has already, you know, one of these kind of kids that has, has done well and, and gained some traction. And these things, 17 and already, uh, last time I checked, he had 140,000 subscribers, but I'm sure that will have gone up by this time. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to release that one and just generally keep writing for the modern influencer. It's, I must admit, lockdown's been tough. Uh, I, I don't know about how you guys have found it mentally, but I found it it has taken a real impact on my productivity. It's been very hard to kind of motivate myself after work and on the weekends to, to really um, get onto writing and kind of get on the grind as it were. But I'm very keen to really get back on it now and excited to release some content on the modern influencer. So like I say, if anyone has, uh, if anyone could go check that out and, and check out our social media, that'd be, that'd be much appreciated. And like keep, keep their eye, watch your space. Cause I think there's some exciting content coming up. Third and final question is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? I thought I thought about this question because I saw it on the plan. One immediately came to mind and I kind of second guessed whether I should say it because it, it is also one of the most humiliating experiences in my life. <laughs> but I think it's important, you know, I learned a lot from it and it's it's just in the past now, so I thought no, this is this is by far my most memorable, so I'll share it. For the purpose of the story, I'm I'm gonna change the names. So we're gonna call this girl Amy, right? So it's first okay. year and um, I'm in halls and I meet this girl, Amy. I meet her by chance. I think I met her like in the laundry room at uni and we immediately get chatting and I'm like, oh, this is nice. You know, she seems, seems like a nice girl and um, we seem to be vibing. And this is, this is romantic in the laundry room. <laughs> yeah, see, I was like, you know, yeah. little, you know, really naive young me really didn't have much experience in dating at all really going into uni i was like this is this is great you know this is first term already got <laughs> off to a great start anyway so um we're getting to know each other and i think oh i'll invite her on a night out um so i invite her to come and come on one of the nights uh nights out to the su with with me and like my my flatmates but also the flat below that we were quite friendly with and she says yeah go ahead so she's great i thought well maybe Maybe before we have pre's, we'll have pre-pre's, so like me and her can get a chance to maybe chat a bit more and stuff. So we do that, yeah. and they they go well. I'm like, this is this is good. Then we go to the pre-drinks and we drink, and then we go out to the SU. And so our far, pre-pre's just you and her. Yeah, they're just me and her. Okay. Which you know, looking back, maybe was a bit awkward at times, but it seemed to work. You know, we 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 chatted yeah. and we you know we got on, so it was all right. And then we go on this night out, and everything seems to be going well. 
you know, we've, we've kissed a few times. I think things are going good. And then um, we get to near the end of the night and we're back like with my, with my flat now and with the flat below. It's kind of getting near the end of the night. We're starting to wind down. This will give you an idea. This is first year, classic first year. But at this point, I'm also holding a hand, which, you know, okay, looking back was very cringe. Who holds hands in a club? I did, apparently. Um, like I say, I didn't really have any experience of clubbing going before going to uni. I didn't really know the etiquette, what you were meant to do. Yeah, no, I held a hand. Fine. Why not? I was also obviously quite a bit waved at this point. Um, <laughs> and anyway, we're getting to the end. Everything seems to be going fine. And all of a sudden, I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I look to my right, and very much she's holding my hand. She's just getting off with one of my house, not my flatmates, but one of the guys in the flat below, like just full on oh. making out while, like, while I'm holding her hand. And I'm like looking at this. I like to have to take a double take because I almost can't believe it. And obviously I immediately like let go of her hand. I'm like, what's going like, yeah. on? I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And I felt... I didn't feel angry. Angry wasn't my main emotion. I just kind of felt crushed. I just like, there's yeah. just, just something crushing about watching the girl. You actually quite, I did quite like her. I mean, obviously it was, it was like, wasn't like we'd go now or anything, but you know, yeah, I, yeah. at that point it was, it was the first time, like my first time experience that kind of thing. And yeah, I remember feeling pretty crushed, but you know, it, it is what it is. It was peak, but you know, I learned from it. Um, Wait, Amy, bro, but you're a waste man. Yeah, your real name is Pagan, fam. <laughs> it was, it was pretty brutal, wasn't it? And also brutal of my, I mean, brutal of. Bro, I feel crushed right rate. now, like. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually a bit. Oh. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was pretty brutal. I think, I think it taught me. It did teach me a valuable lesson, which was that I kind of went into uni having led quite a sheltered. Well, that's it. Having led quite a kind of sheltered upbringing, coming like. For my, my parents were very religious. I was brought up, you know, quite religious. So um, I think I had a very trusting nature and uh, was yeah. very much thought that people, when they said things, they meant them and kind of didn't kind of think of like, didn't have two-faced friends or anything, didn't really have an experience of that. So I think that it taught me a valuable lesson that, hey, sometimes people aren't always genuine and you can't always take it at face value what they say. And ultimately, you need to judge people by their actions, not their words. That's something I think I learned. And yeah, so I don't, looking back now, you know, it's, it's yeah, I say it was crushing, but at the same time, you know, I learned from it and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and all that. I think uh, yeah. it is it is what it is. But that, that that is the one that comes to mind. So that's got to be my answer. Uh, your, your flatmate as well, Wasteman. But- yeah. That was, you, fam. I remember like moving the- like Aaron. <laughs> what? <I'm joking>. what? <laughs> I remember when we got back to that to the to the flat. I remember like we were just in the kitchen, and I was like, you know, why did you do that? I could just like, what? like I couldn't understand. Like that's just something on principle I wouldn't do. Like I wouldn't. I don't care how nice the girl is. I'm not going to like violate that that friendship just for a kiss. You know, I just thought like, you know, why are you doing that? I thought thought that he kind of would care a bit more, and I remember. Being like, oh, I remember actually saying, like, come on, mate, what about like the bro code? Like, come on, you know. <laughs> At the time, I couldn't believe that he would just that he would just do that. But um, yeah, it, these these things happen. I mean, mad things happen when you've had some drink yeah, and, live yeah, and learn. yeah, these things. Yeah, they do. Uh, okay, I don't I don't know how you move on. Um, <laughs> Is that the most crushing like third wheel story you've heard? There's been a couple. Or the, well, not maybe crushing. I, as don't, the I don't know if I can think of I one. I don't know the victim size, but this is probably the 
worst victim side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is this is painful, man. Um, I can know. Yeah, I, I hope the next bit isn't related. It's a call out, and you can call out <laughs> someone to come on a future episode of Third Will. Okay, great. Uh, can I call out two people? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. More the better for us. That's it. I think I think I need to call out two people. I want to give out shout outs to two people who were very important and influential in terms of the modern influencer in the beginning. So first shout out goes to a guy called Dale Hancock, who is a motivational speaker, inter- international speaker, and kind of confidence coach and author as well. I had a great chat with him in a cafe in rugby early on when I was starting to think about maybe starting my own thing and doing the modern influencer. And um, that was a great conversation that we had. And um, he was very, very, played a big part in, in me saying like taking that leap of faith to to go for it and to give it a shot so very grateful to him and for for his help so i challenge him to come on and the other person i'm gonna i'm gonna give a shout out to is a guy called jez parsons who um, was actually the first interview e for the modern influencer right near the beginning he's a very exciting young entrepreneur young influencer he's only 17 but he's already by the age of 16 he'd already created a uh, launch his own successful clothing brand off his Instagram. He's since co-founded two different uh, businesses, one a, a content marketing business and another a videography business. And yeah, he's definitely one to watch for the future, like uh, really impressive already what he's achieved at 17. So I shout out him and, and give challenge him to come on. The final section is a shout out, uh, but you can shout out like basically anything. So yeah, I suppose, yeah, I'm going to shout out one influencer. Shout out, definitely uh, check that out. A shout out as well to Aaron, Aaron Lohman. I'd like to give him a shout out. He's a good friend who oh. helps write for it. <laughs> Real shout outs to him for all his help. He's He'll be the one that uh, publishes your your second pe- the second piece from you guys. So big shout outs to him. But yeah, if anybody is interested in finding more about, finding out more about The Modern Influencer, head to www.themoderninfluencer.co.uk. Also check out us out on Facebook at The Modern Influencer, on Twitter at TM and then Influencer. And also on instagram at the underscore modern underscore influencer so yeah definitely check us out on the socials give us a follow i would really appreciate it and also get in touch if you your if you yourself are an influencer youtuber instagrammer and you think you have a story to tell um i would love to hear from you so reach out to either my me on social media or modern influencer social media or email um steven at the modern influencer.co.uk and i'll go next i guess i was going to do two things so the first one's going to be bbc children in need so yes yeah, remember this um children struggling out there so if you have some spare money go ahead donate it if some of you have been saving extra in lockdown and the second is going to be related to the mainstream media thing is one of my one of my favorite rappers big zoo we've got a tv show called big zoo big eats on dave so go ahead check out if you haven't and give it all the support you can yeah when we, when we were talking about tiktok i uh messaged my brother aki akilesh mohan there <laughs> maybe maybe a future guest at some point asked him for his uh his tiktok account so i'll, I'll give a shout out to him it's a uh, at official king simba simba with two m's we'll, we'll put the link in the description but from what i can see he's got like seven seven tiktoks so and from what i've seen they're pretty they're pretty funny i guess it's funnier when you know the person yeah go go check that it out it's a it's a good laugh and yeah i guess guess that's everything thanks again Stephen, for coming on no, thanks for having and me yeah as he said go check out the modern influencer all all the links will be in the description also the articles that are on the third wheel of the podcast, go check them out. Yeah, I think, I think it's been a really interesting episode. Anything anything else, Amish? 
Well, that's different. Yeah, cheers for being a guest. Cheers for reaching out when you really did. And yeah, yeah, it was kind of a surprise when you first reached out. So big shout out to you for doing that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if anyone listening also wants to be a guest, just yeah, just let us know. Or, and yeah, that's it yeah, from me. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. And we'll speak to you next week. See ya.